This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Even though companies are looking for new ways to bring employees together more and more and build a better business culture, there are various elements that inhibit that from occurring from time to time. And the ideas of how to better engage in the workplace is one being taught more and more these days. So if you are someone who sees these issues cropping up, how do you fix them? A new book addresses that. It's titled Get Better, 15 Proven Practices to Build Effective Relationships at Work. Todd Davis is the Chief People Officer for Franklin Covey, and he is the author of this book, and he joins us on the show right now. Todd, thank you for your time. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. So when you when you think about issues in the workplace and, and, and dealing with this, how prevalent do you think these problems are these days? <laughs> well, for me in my role, uh, they're very prevalent. They consume me. I've, I've been uh, in this line of work for, gosh, the past 30 years, and I've been you know, coaching and observing uh, leaders and others at all levels in organizations. And, and what I have found is that you know, there's certainly the notion, and it's very true, that we've got to have the right people on the bus, as Jim Collins says, the right talent, but it's actually the nature of the relationships between those people that really creates, you know, a team or an organization or a company's um, what we call ultimate competitive advantage. So I, I think it's, it's critical, and it's really what makes or breaks uh, the success and the effectiveness of an organization. Would you say that, that we're looking at a, at a time frame now where more companies than not are aware, of, excuse me, of this type of issue, and they are looking to be, you know, out front <laughs> trying, to, t- trying to deal with it? I, I think so. I think they're very they're, they're very focused. This is the book launched uh, on November seventh. Been writing it for the last two years, and while we while we certainly anticipated the book and the topic to be to resonate with folks, it has been just overwhelmingly uh, received in in great fashion because of what you just said. It's it's uh, it's a, a high priority, a top priority with organizations around the globe. Culture is you know has for the last many years has been a real focus, and I think. Uh, organizations are realizing that while we describe culture a lot of different ways, it really boils down to the nature of the relationships between the people in its in its organization. Well, one of the things you actually hint at at the outset of the book uh, is that not only not having these relationships can bring uh, an economic burden on the company, but on the people that are involved with them, uh, there's the potential for, for medical and emotional issues that people have to deal with as well. Absolutely. I mean, we spend, it's no secret to, to most people, and if you've got a job that, uh, that isn't like this, and I want to talk to you and maybe join you, but, but most of us spend uh, many more working hours uh, than we do with, with you know, family and friends and people in our personal lives. And that, that doesn't mean that those people in our personal lives aren't the priority, but nevertheless, just the, the nature of the design of our work, we spend more hours with those we work with. And so if those, if those hours are burdened with uh, challenges and conflict and and uh, issues such as that it, it takes a, a significant toll on our on our physical and our emotional uh, well being. You you lay out the, these different ideas and and we'll get into a few of them and and one I wanted right. to to jump into immediately was this pinball syndrome that that you speak of, and I think there are a lot of people that deal with this issue in and basically I read it as you know you want to try and do your job but you end up having to be involved with three or four or five other people on their work as well, and you just you kind of are spinning back and forth in all different directions. 
Well, and you just said the you just said the the, the key word there. You're having to, and yeah. what I have to remind myself and and what I coach others on is. We do, we don't we choose to we we forget that we're choosing to but we choose to the, so the pinball syndrome it's it's one of my favorite practices only because I deal with it a lot in coaching others and and I have to struggle or or make sure I'm not struggling with it myself it's practice number six most of us uh, at least those of us above a certain age remember the old pinball games the the actual sure. I'm sure there are many apps for it now but in the in the malls and and game places you know the pinball syndrome or the pinball game where there's the the buzzers and the whistles and lights as you as you pull back the plunger and this metal ball flies up and then the whole goal is to just keep these flippers going and keep this thing uh, afloat as long as you can. And it's, you know, there's a lot of stimulus there and it's, it's exciting and it's a challenge and we feel exhausted when it's over, but it's a game. And, and what I see time and time happen again at work is that we confuse activity with results. And so we get to the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of our life, unfortunately, and we've been very busy and we've been very exhausted and we think we've been doing a lot of things and we have, but have we been doing those things that really matter or really make a difference? And so that's the, that's the, the metaphor and the idea behind avoiding the pinball syndrome is stepping back. I recommend on a weekly basis, at least a weekly basis to outline and say, wait a minute, where am I really spending my time? And am I spending it on those things that are important or simply those things that are urgent? And I've confused urgency with important. And like you said, and am I trying to be everything to everybody and in the end accomplishing nothing? Well, and, and by the way, I, I am old enough to remember pinball machines. So, so we're in the, we're in the same ballpark here. Thank you. Uh, but, but I mean, it is interesting when you talk about the relationship that you have to have in the office uh, with people that you may not have much in common with at all. Uh, but it, it really is a situation in many cases where you have to be willing to want to search, to be able to step forward and, and, and want to uh, really find out more about that person, learn what makes them tick in order to be able to take those steps to be successful. It's a really good, it's a great point. Uh, practice one of the book is practice one for a reason. It's called Wear Glasses That Work. And the whole premise here is, the way we see things, and to your point, the way we see other people then shapes everything we do, our behaviors, and therefore the results we get. So while I may not have much in common with you and we work closely together every day, instead of just belaboring that point or, or, or saying, well, that's how it is and it's tough and I don't like it, stepping back and saying, you know, who is Dan? And I wonder why he does things the way he does them. And I wonder about this and I wonder about that and taking time to consider the other's perspective. I was doing an interview the other day, and the, and the interviewer asked me an interesting question I'd never been asked before. She said, Todd, if you were to have a sign hanging outside your door, you've, you've coached people for many years. If you were having a sign hanging outside your door uh, that said something not that you wanted people to be thinking about before you talk with them, what would that sign say? Well, <laughs> my, 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 it was Boy, a that's question. a challenge. It isn't set up like that, but I thought, well, that is interesting. And I, after giving it some thought, what I would have on that sign, it would say, have you considered the other's perspective. Not you agree or disagree or whatever, but have you considered, and I'll tell you, and, and certainly for myself too, I don't profess to be perfect in all of these things, but, but when I stop and take time to consider the other's perspective and think about their world and think about their goals and think about their struggles, boy, does it get us on a, a playing ground where we can really start to then resolve or solve problems or take advantages of opportunities together.
Todd Davis is the author of the book, Get Better, 15 Proven Practices to Build Effective Relationships at Work. You're more than welcome to join in. Uh, you may have a situation in the office where you would like to run it by Todd, and we can discuss it. 844-WHARTON is the number, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. One of the other things you bring up— and and it does seem simple when you think about it, but I guess there are situations where it's not is just basic good behavior is a key ingredient to have. Well, isn't that the truth? And, and particularly in, in our current culture and climate, at least here in the U.S., you know, just basic civility and, and the golden rule and, and, and treating others how you would, would like to be treated. And of course, that's nothing new. And everybody's going, well, geez, that's genius, Todd. But, but do we do that? Do we have that mantra at the forefront of our mind every day as we walk into work or as we, as we come home with, with those that, that we care about? It's, it's, it's slowing the pace down a little bit and thinking about, as I said a minute ago, coming from the other's perspective, stepping into their shoes. If we can just start there, and again, it sounds, it sounds trite to talk about because it's, it's age-old wisdom, but it's age-old wisdom that I see fewer and fewer people practicing. And one of the other things you talk about is the the we not me philosophy, which I, I think a lot of people have have heard in various versions. Uh, but it is a, it is a very important thing to think team, and I, and I know a lot of companies are looking to do more. Uh, team building, but they're also looking to do more projects where you get more people involved together. That's good. Yes. Practice number seven is think we, not me. And, you know, there are people, and I think, I think most people are good. I think these things are unintentional. But do we, do we default to the victor where our wins, and for us to feel like we're winning, always has to come at the expense of others? Does there always have to be a loser? Or, or, on, or on the opposite side of the spectrum, do we default to the martyr and everybody else wins, but our, at our expense, and we've just decided that's our lot in life. To think we, not me, is to have what we call an abundance mentality. Now, in, in sports, yes, there's a winner or a loser in certain other areas of life. But more often than not, we have, we have groomed ourselves or been groomed to think that there always has to be a loser, and that is so not true. And the most successful organizations and the most successful leaders and other people within those organizations have this abundant mentality where they approach every situation thinking not only what's in it for me, but what's in it for you and how can mm-hmm. we collaborate and how can we come up with something that much better that, you know, than either one of us could have come up with on our own. That's the philosophy behind thinking we and not me. You also talk a lot about communication as well in the book and in a couple of uh, the different uh, uh, practice points. And one of them is you say talk less, listen more. You also talk about getting your volume right. Can you go into those? You bet. So, so talk less, listen more is really pretty self-explanatory, but, but the point here being in practice 10, talk less, listen more, is that we, we, we are fixers. We want to solve problems. We want to jump in. Somebody, when emotions are high, whether it's because they're excited about something or they're frustrated about something, we, we hear just enough of what they're sharing with us to then jump in and tell them what our great solution is or to advise them or to, you know, maybe criticize the decision they made or whatever. And that's not what they need. When emotions are high... They just need to be understood. So the point here is, in talking less and listening more, 
if, if we take the time to understand the other person's perspective, not agreeing, not disagreeing, just understand, just listening to them, reflecting back. And this has been around for a long time. And again, it's one of those things that while we know to do it, we don't do it. So reflect right. back and say, Dan, it seems like you're really upset about the new policy change or whatever. And, and then if we can do that, and not in a manipulative way, but in a sincere way, we can get to the heart of issues. And I've seen it happen time and time again. We get to the heart of the issue much quicker than if we jump in, assume we think we know where they're going and what the solution is. Then there'll be a time after we completely understand them that they'll ask for our advice and we can start to solve a problem. So that's what Talk Less, Listen More is all about. Get your volume right. Practice number 11 is all about the blind spots that we have. This is where we all have strengths, and, and we're aware of some of our strengths, and sometimes we have strengths we're not aware of. But, right. but you've been given performance reviews in your lifetime. I have. We, we tend to know what we're good at. Yep. And what happens is we rely on those strengths, and sometimes we rely on them too much, and we turn the volume up too much on those strengths, and they actually start to work against us. For instance, someone I was just coaching just last week, they are a very efficient and a very uh, effective person. They, they execute they're, they're, they're best known for their execution and for their efficiency. But, but that volume in this particular person is turned up so high that no one wants to work with them. They're so efficient that their emails and their communication comes across as very curt and, and very short with others. And while they're not intending to be that way, they're just trying to make good use of time, uh, they're, they're offending other people. And until it was brought to this person's attention, they had no idea why they were being passed over for opportunities to work on certain teams. And you can take any strength any strength. I have, I have one of my strengths is I'm a, a very accommodating person. And you might think, well, gosh, who doesn't want that person on their team? Right. But I can turn it up too high, and I've done this before uh, unintentionally, where I'm trying to help everyone and be everything to everybody, and all of a sudden I'm doing a, a C-minus job of many things versus an A-plus job of a few things. So that's, that's the whole point behind getting your volume right. Okay. Uh, for you that would like to call in and ask a question of Todd, you're more than welcome to at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't catch your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. We go to Cleveland, Ohio. Jim is on the line. Jim, go ahead, sir. Hey, uh, so Todd, quick question for you. So uh, previous... Uh, in charge of a department, um, and as we've grown, we've added an additional resource to that department, and that addition is now my supervisor um, sending out reports and all of these, you know, emails that aren't always accurate. Um, so, you know, stepping around on eggshells to try to correct the inaccurate information. Uh, any suggestions on how to deal with that? Well. Boy, that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry for you. And uh, not knowing the exact situation, and, I, and I, I, I hesitate to always have a quick, oh, yep, here's what you do. But let me share with you, in that type of a situation, I find that we are hesitant. We tend to be hesitant to address the situation head on because we don't want to offend. We don't want to, you know, sound arrogant or like, we're, especially when this is our supervisor. But I find that diplomatic straight talk is what I call it. Diplomatic straight talk is very effective. And if it comes from, you know, the last practice in the book is called Start with Humility. Practice 15 is Start with Humility. So not knowing all of the details, but my, my initial response is I would have a, a, a meeting with my new supervisor. I would go in with tons of humility, tons of respect, 
even more than you might think is appropriate and say, hey, I'm, I think I'm misunderstanding something, and I just would like your advice. You're my leader, and I look up to you, and I'm seeing these reports, and I may be wrong on this, but it seems like this doesn't align with this data here, and I wonder if you could help me see what I'm missing or where I, can, where I need to course correct. So, so you're bending over backwards to come from a perspective to keep her or his dignity in place, but it's, it's a very effective and it's not manipulative at all. It's a way to help coach a leader when sometimes coaching a leader might, you know, they, you might make them defensive. But if you come from a point of humility and, and really taking the, taking the ownership on yourself saying, I think I'm, I mis, must be misunderstanding this because these reports aren't lining up and could you help me see where I'm wrong on this? Or if I'm not wrong, let's, you know, maybe I can, we can help each other get to the right, the right results here. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Jim, thanks for the call. Greatly appreciate it. The way for you to join in, our listeners out there, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. The book is Get Better, 15 Proven Practices to Build Effective Relationships at Work. The author is Todd Davis, who is the Chief uh, Chief People Officer at Franklin Covey. Your comments again at 844-942-7866. There is also the, the, the question kind of playing off of that uh, call, Todd, is the fact that you get into situations where people in the office just have a perception of something that is going on within the office, whether it is a project, uh, a dynamic, whatever it is, and they see it from two totally different perspectives, and the two people just can't seem to, to, to kind of find a common ground. Mm-hmm. Great, great point. I will have, I've, I've had many discussions around that particular issue. And again, I want to caution that I, I don't pretend to think that, oh, it's all as easy sure. as we're talking yep. about it right now. Yep. But it begins with a conversation and sitting down and usually having an unbiased person like I try to be to say, hey, can I, could we just talk through this? And let's start with what, and those of you who are familiar with Seven Habits, which Franklin Covey is known for, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it still remains a best-selling business book 20 three years later, 24 years later, begin with the end in mind. And I start each conversation with that saying, let's start with what is it that, what is the end in mind here? What is the result we both want or we all want? And, and usually they agree on that. You know, if they, if they don't agree on that, then we've got bigger problems. But, but usually they will agree with, well, here's how, what we want to get to. It's just that we have different approaches. But if we can start reminding everybody, first of all, what is the finish line? What are we trying to get to? Okay, now, Deb, let's hear your uh, manner or perspective of wanting uh, of how you think we should get there. Okay, Joe, let's hear yours. Right. Now, Deb, tell me what challenges you have or where you see differences. If we can start an open dialogue, respectful dialogue, you usually can get to get to a, a resolution there. Uh, there's a, there's a great quote that says, "With people, fast is slow," and. If we can just slow down a little bit, we're so anxious to get to the resolution, but if we can slow down a little bit and understand each other's perspective, we can usually resolve things much quicker than we would otherwise. I would imagine, though, that, that there are situations uh, in the office where, uh, especially if you're a manager uh, and you are able to gain a little bit of a, of, a, of a different insight on a person, not only can that help you understand that person in terms of what they are doing currently, but it also gives you the opportunity to understand whether or not they, kind of playing off of what was just said, whether they can be somebody that can be one that will move up the ladder, that can take on more responsibility as you, as you move along. You're exactly right. And, and there, are, there are certain people, and again, I, I wear not rose-colored glasses, but I, I 
try to make sure we see the talent and the good in everyone. But there are certain situations where, where we've got a person who is a good person, lots of talent, but should not be in a role that needs to collaborate with other people. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and so, you know, and, and often we don't have the luxury of saying, well, gosh, let's keep her, let's keep him, but let's put him in this role where that, co- that collaboration isn't critical to the success. Sometimes there's that option, sometimes there is not. So it's, it's not always you know, we can always get to the right solution. We can more often than not, though. And again, I, I, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but if we can come back to taking time to really understand each other, yeah. boy, we have a lot more in common than we do with our differences. What what role can the, can the HR department play in this process as well? Well, again, the chief people officer in, in, our, in our company, I, I leave the, the, the what's traditionally called the human resource function. I yeah. like to I, I like to change the name of that because I think sometimes there is stigma attached with human resources being the policy wonks or the police people. We call our department people services, right. and that reminds me and our team every day as we walk through the door. We are here to serve. Our clients are the people in our company, and so I think human resources. The best advice I give other human resource departments is to be a partner in the business, be involved in the business, attend if you're a sales organization, attend the sales meetings, attend, you know, know what's going on on the front lines. I go out and do, do keynotes and marketing events all around the globe with our clients and people say, gosh, how do you, how do you do your job and do that? Well, it helps me do my job because I'm out there with our employees, with our clients on the front line, so I have a real strong handle on what our business is all about. That's my advice to human resource departments is, is be completely involved in what your business is all about. Great having you with us today, Todd. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the invitation. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. The book, again, is Get Better, 15 Proven Practices to Build Effective Relationships at Work. Uh, Todd Davis, uh, who is the Chief People Officer at Franklin Covey. Uh, many thanks to Todd for joining us here on the show today. The book, by the way, is as he mentioned, uh, came out in November, so it is available in bookstores and online right now. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.